Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. Today, we, as Pastor Brooke mentioned, we are beginning a new series in Mark chapter 1. We're going to take a look at two passages of Scripture, Mark chapter 1 and um, Matthew chapter 9. I want to ask you to just stay with me there in Mark chapter 1. Um, We'll go back and forth. I'm going to put several of these passages of Scripture up on the screen for you so that you're able to follow along easily. But Mark chapter 1 has been a significant passage of Scripture for me over the last several weeks. Um, coming into this new year. And uh, Pastor Gary, if you remember, he shared with us last week as we wrapped up our our 21 days of prayer and fasting, he shared with us um, in the 21 days of of prayer and fasting, wrapping that up um, from Mark chapter 1 and then following right into Mark chapter 2. And I was so nervous because I thought, oh no, he's going to share the scripture that I want to share. And then I'm going to have to change my message for this week, but he didn't, and I'm so thankful for that. But it was a great confirmation of what the Lord had been stirring in me. I want to tell you a little bit, um, I've shared some of this, but I want to tell you a a little bit of my journey with the Lord this morning, some of my testimony, just, just bits of that this morning. I grew up in church. I thank God that I grew up in church. Um, uh, I was taken to church, drugged to church a, a lot of times as I was growing up, but I'm so thankful for that upbringing. upbringing. I remember one time, though, um, as I was in children's church. Children's church was a new thing uh, when I was growing up. We stayed primarily in the sanctuary, and uh, we were in the singing, and we were in for the pastor's message. I remember laying down in the floor and rolling around under the pews and losing my Cheerios from time to time, forgetting which pew that I had left them under and having to navigate to get back uh, to, those, to those Cheerios. But uh, children's church was a new thing um, towards the end of, of my uh, kid years. And I remember actually going into children's church for a little while. And one of the things that we played in children's church uh, was the religious version of Simon Says. It was called Jesus Says. And we would, I remember, we would line up on a wall and some of the, the teenage leaders of our children's church would uh, line up over on the other side, and we would play this game of Jesus says, or, or Simon says. And they would say, Jesus says, take three steps forward, and then you got to take three steps forward. And then they would say, you know, turn around, and then they would say, oh, you turned around. Jesus didn't say that. You have to go all the way back to the, to the wall. And I remember, um, I, w- I, w- I still am very competitive. And I don't like to lose. I always want to win. But I remember as a kid, when I would get so excited in playing Jesus Says in children's church, and I would be so eager to do whatever the action was, but then I would have to go all the way back to the beginning. I would have to go back to the start, line up on the wall, and then start from the very beginning and everybody else, uh, unless they did what I did and didn't do what Jesus said, 
then they would be out ahead of me. I would get so frustrated because I just wanted to win the game. I just wanted to do what Jesus said, and I made a mistake, and I went all the way back to the beginning. As I grew up, that game in children's church, uh, Jesus said, is how I started to live my life. And I felt like sometimes whenever I messed up, God would bop me on the head and He would send me all the way back to the very, very beginning. And any of that progress that I had made in walking with Him and following Him had been completely erased off the paper. And I was all of a sudden, all the way back to the beginning, waiting for Jesus to say the very, very next thing. The church that I grew up in was really a legalistic church. We had a whole list of don'ts, and we only had one list of do. There was a whole bunch of things we couldn't do, and all we, uh, the majority of what we talked about were the don'ts. You don't do this. You don't do this. You don't do this. You don't do this. And it was so frustrating because I knew the don'ts that you weren't supposed to do. And it was just like when I was two years old, and I was playing with an electrical outlet, right? And they said, don't stick that fork in the electrical outlet. Well, don't tell me don't, <laughs> because I did. But I learned, don't do that. I remember we had, um, uh, I was trying to help out uh, our family because we had a light bulb go out and a lamp. And so I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help my family. But I wanted to test to make sure that the light socket was actually working. And they said, don't stick your finger in there. But I thought, well, this light bulb could be good. And I'm about to throw away a perfectly good light bulb. And so I stuck my finger, don't do that, but I actually actually did that. And you know, a lot of us grow up like that, and a lot of us start to live our walk with Jesus out in that very way. We hear the list of don'ts, and we think, well, don't tell me, don't do that. And then we start to do that which we're told don't actually do. But that one do that we did have was love your neighbor. You did that, and don't do all of this other stuff. The truth of the matter is that's not how Jesus, when he walked the face of this earth, actually lived his life. He didn't walk around whenever he saw people not doing what they were supposed to be doing and say, oh, Jesus didn't say that. Go all the way back to the beginning. And what we have to do is actually look at the words of Jesus. How did Jesus live his life? What did Jesus actually say? And then start to apply that and actually live that. Now, let me stop here for just a second. And I want to say the list of don'ts was a good list of don'ts. And I'm not preaching against a list of don'ts. I'm not saying we should not say, these are things you shouldn't do. Because God gives us boundaries, guardrails in life that we actually need. And we find a lot of that in Scripture. And there's wisdom from the saints who've walked with Jesus for decades that we need to apply to those that are coming behind us because we need to know that information. That's, what we, that's why we studied the book of Acts uh, for a year and a half. And we gleaned that information from those early saints and how they were actually living our life. But the truth of the matter is whenever we live our life playing or walk with Jesus playing Jesus says and we get bopped on the head and we have to go all the way back to the beginning we're leaving out the purpose that Jesus came and that was so that we could have a relationship with him everything about your walk with Jesus is about a relationship with God Almighty do you remember what God actually said when he declared that he was coming to earth to wrap himself in flesh? He said, listen, 
I'm coming to be with you. Remember, his name will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. It was not God bringing the list of rules and regulations. They already had all of that. It was God coming so that he could actually be in relationship with him. Jesus came so that you could be in a relationship with God, with him. This is the purpose. This is the reason that Jesus actually came. I remember um, when I worked in radio. I worked in radio for several years. When I was in Jacksonville, I finally got to meet the one artist that I wanted to meet. My, uh, our general manager had arranged it for us, or for me, and so I was able to go out of town, and I was able to actually spend um, a good bit of the afternoon and the evening with the artist in my entire life that I wanted to meet. So I, I went up there. I um, introduced myself um, to their uh, road manager, their tour manager, and they gave me this lanyard that said, All Access Pass. And I wore it around my neck, and I guess that I didn't look like uh, this artist crew at one point, because as we were making our way through a part of the back of the stage, um, and we were going back to where the buses were at, their green room is at, and all of that, I was with them. I'd been with them for the whole day. I had the credentials to say that I was actually with them. And uh, one of the security guards, a couple of the security guards actually stopped me and said, no, you can't go back there. And I said, oh, yes. I'm with George Jones. I had access because George Jones' staff had given me access. I had the credentials, despite what anybody said, I was with the artist that I wanted to meet, George Jones. And we live our lives forgetting that God is with us. And we allow the enemy to defeat us and beat us up, and we start to live in this pattern of oppression, forgetting that we have credentials over the enemy that says, I am with God Almighty. And not only are we with God Almighty because we're in relationship with Him, but then we have the access to His power that He has given to us through His death, His burial, and His resurrection to overcome the enemy, defeating the enemy, and the works of the enemy, which was sin that brought about death in our life. And that's why the Apostle Paul wrote, death has no hold on this body because Jesus defeated it, and we have credentials saying, I am with with God Almighty. Well, how does this play out in our life, and where do we get the beginning of this information? There's a couple of words that Jesus said that are revolutionary words. They will change the way that you live your walk with Him if you will just focus on these two simple words. And that is the title of our series that we're going to dive in over the next several weeks that simply says, follow me. Jesus said, follow me. Now stay in Mark 1. I'm going to go from Mark 1 and uh, Matthew chapter 9 back and forth, but I want you to stay in Mark 1. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, this is what Jesus said. And Jesus went on out from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Now, we have to ask ourselves, why did Matthew actually begin to follow Jesus? 
What was it in Jesus' words where he simply said those two words, follow me, that captivated Matthew, and he got up from the lucrative business that he had bought into of being a tax collector and left all of that behind and lived with Jesus in relationship with him over the next three to three and a half years? What was it in those two words, follow me, that gave Matthew the credentials and the access to say, I'm with him. I'm with the king. I'm with God in the flesh. I am with Emmanuel, the Messiah and the Savior. In Mark chapter 1, we begin to see how this plays out in Jesus' life. And the reason that we're starting this series today is because we've come out and ended our season of prayer and fasting, of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And that's looked like so many different ways for all of us. But for me, it's been so exciting and encouraging to hear you share stories and to hear things from our community groups and our community groups leader, community group leaders of how we as a congregation have been spending time intentionally with Jesus and recognizing him and putting him first in every area of our life. It's interesting when we start here in Mark 1, and we'll get to the scripture I'm going to read here in just a second, but what we see in Jesus' life is that he is baptized by John the Baptist. After Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, he spends the next 40 days in prayer and fasting. And in this, the enemy comes and tempts Jesus. And after he comes out of the prayer and fasting season of his time in the wilderness, we get down here to um, Mark chapter 1, and I want to start reading in verse 12. Mark 1, verse 12. You can go back and read those verses before of where um, Jesus was baptized and what that actually looked like. We're going to read Mark 1, verse 12. At once the Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was in the desert for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. Now, don't think that there's an admission here or an omission here where Jesus was spending this time in prayer and fasting. We can find that in the other Gospels of what Jesus was actually doing. His commitment to the Word of God, his commitment to prayer, and the the actual fasting that Jesus did over these times. But he was tempted by Satan. The end of verse 13. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. Verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Verse 17. Come. Follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets, and they followed him. Do you see the invitation of relationship here that Jesus has extended to Simon and to his brother Andrew? Do you see that invitation of relationship that Jesus had given to Matthew, the tax collector? And what we will find in each of these calling of the disciples that Jesus had given, it was a simple command, come and follow me. There was a relationship, and in that invitation, it was calling them out of situations and circumstances of their life, and calling them to live in relationship with God who came to actually be with them in the very, very beginning. But notice what Jesus did not do whenever he met Matthew. Notice what Jesus did not do when Whenever he met Simon and Andrew, 
He didn't come to them, and he didn't walk up to the tax collector table, and he didn't say to Matthew, you are a cheater. You are a liar. You are taking advantage of all of these people. How dare you do that? He did not condemn the work that Matthew was doing. Instead, the invitation was simply to walk away from where you're at and begin to follow and live in relationship with God Almighty. What God came to say to you and God came to say to me was the same thing he was saying to Matthew and Simon and Andrew and the other nine disciples that followed him. Leave where you're at. Walk away from the circumstances of your life. Walk away from those situations and live in relationship with God Almighty in Jesus Christ. And to prove that that is what he was offering us, he died a, a very painful death a horrible death on a cross so that his blood flowed to pay the sin debt that we would never be able to pay and the people for a few thousand years before that had never been able to pay for themselves. God gave us an invitation to live in relationship with him. But he did not say, get your life straight, get everything together, and whenever you achieve that, then come and start to follow me. He didn't say, get your affairs in order, Matthew. He didn't say, go make right all of the wrongs that you have done up to this point. And whenever you've done that, then you can actually come and follow me. He didn't say to Simon and Andrew, make sure that you finish mending your nets. Make sure you get the fish to where they're going to go to the market. Reach out to your family. Make sure you've got all of these affairs and orders. Do all of this stuff first, and then whenever you've got that taken care of, then I want you to come and follow me. That's not the invitation that Jesus gave to them. And if you'll look at the actions from Matthew and Simon and Andrew and then eventually the others, what we see is whenever they heard Jesus say, follow me, whenever they got that invitation to a relationship, they stopped what they were doing and immediately they began to follow Jesus. What they had done as taken a, what they had done was taken a step that would radically change the rest of their lives and all of their eternity. And this is the invitation that God has given to us when he says to us, just follow me. It's not about our life and the things that we've done in the past. It wasn't Jesus saying, do this, and we didn't. So we go all the way back to the beginning, and we get smacked on the head, and all of these other people are out ahead of us. It's simply living in relationship, and then whenever we live in relationship, we're just surrendered completely to him. This cheating tax collector, Matthew was one of the least of the least that Jesus would ever want to follow him. But yet Jesus said, come and follow me. These stinky fishermen who had a messy job and gave hour after hour after hour after hour just to make a buck. It was given an opportunity to live in relationship with God Almighty and follow him, and they actually did that. They were simply following Jesus and they then understood that the Christian life is a life that is lived following Jesus. When someone says to you, what does it mean to be a Christian? You say, all I'm doing is following Jesus. That's all that I know to do is simply follow Jesus. And then when we begin to study Jesus' life and we begin to see these patterns in his life, as we follow him, what we begin to realize is we're not where we used to be. 
We're in a different place because we're following Jesus. And if we follow Jesus, Jesus is not going to lead you where you should not be. He's going to lead you through his relationship with you, through your surrender to him of exactly where he wants you to be. So we don't focus on the don'ts. We focus on following Jesus because following Jesus will get us exactly where we need to go. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. The call and invitation from Christ is that relationship to simply follow him. It doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter how poor you are. It doesn't matter who you know or what you know. It doesn't matter how wrong you live or how right you've lived. Jesus comes to all of us, and at some point in our life, he says, will you follow me, and you've got a choice. Simply following Jesus is what it actually means to be a Christian. It's not how long you've been a part of the church. It's not how much money you've given to the church. It's not how long you've been a Christian. It's not how long you haven't been a Christian. It's simply following and accepting the command to follow Jesus Christ Almighty. Now stay there in Matthew chapter, or I'm sorry, in Mark chapter 1. Because I want to look at Matthew chapter 9, and I want to see what God is doing in the calling of his disciples. In Matthew chapter 9, I'm going to put these passages of Scripture on the screen for you, so you can follow along with them here. Matthew 9, verse 10 and 11, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, and here, I I want to stop here because I want to point out, do you see what Jesus was actually doing? He went to a tax collector that he should not have been going to. Someone who was a liar and a cheater and was despised by all of the other people. Jesus went to a tax collector and he said, follow me. Let's live in relationship together, Jesus was actually saying. And then in Matthew chapter 9 verse 10, what do we see Jesus doing? Matthew got up, he walked away from the tax collector's table, he followed Jesus, and where did Jesus go? He went to Matthew's house. That's how we know that our relationship with Jesus is an actual relationship and not a list of the do's and the don'ts. Those do's and don'ts come when we follow Jesus, but we focus on Jesus. We don't focus on the rules. And Jesus went to Matthew's house. Would you put that up for me again, please? Matthew chapter 9, verse 10 and 11. And when, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Oh my goodness. Look at where Jesus is at. Jesus is at the house of a tax collector. And there there's tax collectors, multiple. There's sinners, multiple. It's almost like he went to the heart of Washington, D.C., right? And said, hey, come and have a feast with me. But look at what Jesus has done. Jesus has said, to the worst of the worst, I want you to be in relationship with me, and I want you to follow me because I know where you're at is going to lead to destruction. And I know where you're at. The enemy holds you, and the enemy has trapped you. And I want to bring you out of that. I want to lead you to a relationship with God Almighty. Don't focus on where you're at. Don't focus on what you're doing. Don't focus on the rights and the wrongs. Simply focus on following me is what Jesus said. And we'll read the the next part of that in verse number 11. So here Jesus goes to Matthew's house. Many tax collectors and sinners came, and they ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, these are the religious people, and I'm not preaching against religious people at all, not at all. 
But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. Here's Jesus' charge. This is actually a passage of scripture from the Old Testament book of Hosea. The prophet who was declaring this, God actually saying, and then Jesus said, this is what I'm doing right now in this moment. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus said, I didn't come to call the righteous people. I came to call the sinners. And I underlined that phrase that said, come to call. Because that's what Jesus was doing when he said, follow me. He gave you a call to come. He gave you, extended to us, that invitation of relationship that simply says, come, follow me. Come, walk in relationship with me. That's the invitation to follow. And listen, this is the church. This is what it means to be a part of the church. And this is why I love that we do not have a membership that says you've got to do this and you've got to do this and this is what it means to actually be a member because Jesus did not say to his disciples, hey, come follow me and oh, by the way, while you're at it, could you fill out this uh, membership form and then let's have a conversation about this and then let's figure out what it looks. No, no, no. Jesus said, follow me and when you follow him, you're in relationship. Well, what is the church? The church is comprised of those who are in relationship with the Father. Because you don't have to be in good standing with us. You've got to be in good standing with the Father. And the unity that Jesus actually prayed for in the book of John was when you're in good relationship and good standing with the Father, you'll be in good relationship and good standing with your brothers and sisters here on the earth. And this is what it means to be a part of the church. Us, the bride of Christ, living in relationship with the Father. We have the credentials. We have the access to God Almighty because He is actually with us and has given us the relationship in that call, the invitation to follow Him. Jesus said, follow me. But look Look again at what the Pharisees said. And let me come back to verse 11. The Pharisees said, why does your teacher, why is he doing this? Why is he eating with all these tax collectors? Why is he eating with all of these sinners? Do you know what the Pharisees were wanting to happen? The Pharisees were wanting everybody to get their life right before they actually hung out with this man that they saw as a great rabbi or a great teacher of the law. They said, you've got to get right before you come and you actually sit with this man. The Pharisees say, come. And then when you come, if you change, you can join us. But Jesus said, join us, and then you're going to change. You see the difference here? The Pharisees were saying, get your life in order. Jesus said, come and follow me, and your life will actually be in order. And you know, this is where the enemy begins to beat us up. We begin to think, oh, I messed up. Jesus didn't say that, so I've got to go all the way back to the starting line and start all over. Well, listen, whenever we do something that Jesus didn't ask us, and it is a sin, we repent and we turn from that sin, and we keep following Jesus. Because what we discover is whenever we turn away from Jesus, we're following whatever it is that we're actually chasing, and our back is to Jesus. And the invitation to follow simply means to repent. 
to turn away from whatever it is you're chasing and face Jesus and then follow Him. It's simply, where are you facing your life? What are you following after in your life? And there's so many things that we begin to follow in all of our lives. Our family. A lot of us can chase our family before we actually chase Christ. Some of us chase our career, our possessions, finances, hobbies, health, athletics, social life, a spiritual life. So many other things we want to chase and follow those things before we actually follow Christ. But you know what Jesus said later in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24? He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You know what Jesus was saying, really, really, to make it practical for us here in 2024? You know what Jesus was saying in that? Stop chasing family, your career, your possessions, your finances. Stop chasing your hobbies. Stop chasing athletics. Stop chasing your health. Stop chasing your social life. Stop chasing a spiritual life. Stop chasing all of that, and instead follow Jesus and chase after him first. And the promise of Scripture is if we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all of this other stuff is going to be actually added to us. But where we err is when we turn our back on Jesus and we start chasing those things and following those things before we start following Him. And so today, I think that Jesus is giving each and every one of us a simple invitation to turn away from the things that we've been chasing in our life and start following Him. And the longer that we serve Him, and the more that we follow Him, we have to reckon with the areas of our life where we're chasing those things instead of chasing Him. Now, you may be in relationship with Jesus today, and you may say, hey, I'm following Jesus in my life. I'm following Him. I do this, and I do this, and I do this, and I, and I actually follow Jesus. But you know what I believe? I believe for every single one of us, if you followed Jesus for seven minutes, seven seconds, or if you followed him for 70 years, every single one of us have another area of our life that we need to surrender to Jesus and stop following that and start following him. Or maybe the enemy's lie has pierced your direction in life. And maybe you've thought, man, I've got to get my life to Jesus. I believe when Jesus said, follow me, it was an invitation to me. Maybe you have allowed the enemy to say, yeah, that's true, but get your life together first. I'll go to church every once in a while. I'll listen to a sermon here or there. I'll, I'll read the Bible every, every once in a while. But I'm not going to get serious about following Jesus because I've got all of this stuff in my life that I've got to fix that stuff first. Listen, if Jesus would give this invitation to a tax collector, he would give it to you as well. And he didn't say to Matthew, fix your life and then come follow me. Jesus said, follow me, and Matthew got up immediately from the table, and he started following Jesus. Jesus came to the fishermen, Simon and Andrew, and Jesus said, follow me, and they dropped their nets, and they followed Jesus immediately. And this morning, Jesus is saying to each and every one of us, follow me, and he's waiting to see what we're going to do. 
Are you going to drop the nets that's tangled up your life and follow him? Are you going to keep juggling the nets over here with your back to Jesus in certain areas of your life and say, Jesus, just give me a little time. Give me a little bit more time. Let me get my life together, and then I'm going to come following you. You see, the question is not how far along you are in the journey. The question is, are you following? The question is not, do you have your life all together? The question is, are you following Jesus? And I want you to ask yourself that question this morning. Are you following Jesus? Are you following Jesus? Are you following somebody else in your life? Are you following some of these things that I mentioned a little bit earlier? Or are you totally surrendered and totally following Jesus? You know, I think had we been Simon and Andrew, had you joined me and we were there beside the seashore, and I had the part of Simon and you had the part of Andrew, and we're standing there at the seashore in this moment, and Jesus walked by, he would say to each of us right now, right where we're at in the situations we're at, living life exactly the way we're living our life, and he would say, hey, follow me. Come, follow me. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What is it today that you need to surrender and lay down to him so that there's no barriers to following Jesus? Jesus knew that Matthew was doing wrong. Jesus knew that Simon and Andrew had different priorities. And the reason he asked them to leave those things is because he wanted them to be in relationship with him, following him, so that those things that they were in would not get in the way of the relationship that he had extended to them. And this morning, Jesus is giving you that same invitation. If he were here, he would say to you, come, come, follow me. This morning, I believe that the Holy Spirit has spoken to each and every one of us. I've prayed for that. I believe that that's happened this morning. And I think that God has begun to stir some things inside of you, in your heart, in your mind, that you need to say, God, if that's good or bad in my life, that's not the question. The question is, am I following that or chasing that more than I'm following you and more than I'm chasing you. And so this morning, I'm going to lay that down, surrender it to you, offer it up to you, so that it does not get in the way of me following you. And if it goes with us on this journey, great. If it doesn't go with us on this journey, that's great also. Because I've got Jesus, and he's enough. You see, in this invitation to come, follow me from Jesus, you'll discover that he truly is enough. And the things that you surrender, as this old song says, they grow strangely dim. You see, they don't matter anymore. It doesn't have the importance 
is that relationship, that call from Christ to come and follow Him. Thanks for joining us at White Chapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lead into God's Word together. Until next time, have a great week.